Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say it's a new season. There's more in the Lord. And nothing can separate you from that. Amen. You may be seated. Before I proceed, I want to thank Pastor Mark, uh, Pastor, Pastor E for this opportunity uh, to bring the word, or as they say here, to break the bread of life. <laughs> it's an awesome privilege. I'm going to speak to you about a couple of things. Um, the last two times that I had bought the word here, I the different titles, but it's under the umbrella of the abundant life. That's something that means a lot to me. And so I've come with a different title, but we're under the same umbrella, the abundant life. Amen? Get to my notes. I'm a father of four. God is good. <laughs> I thought it was hard to get ready before, you know, but God is good. <laughs> the title of this message is Encouragement and Strength Are Yours, But There Is More. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together as a family. I thank you, Lord, because your word says, Lord, that we've been born again. We've been made, oh God, part of a glorious company, oh God, of the saints. And we thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would take us deeper and that we would really enter into the new thing of the Lord, which is, after all, your desire for us. I bind any opposition in the atmosphere, Lord, and I pray, oh God, for open heavens in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's a whole industry geared towards self-help, motivational gurus, it's multi-million dollar industry, if not in the billions. And I want to tell you that I didn't come to say today that encouragement is bad. After all, that is one of God's finest attributes towards us. He encourages us. He strengthens us. But Pastor Mark was preaching recently, about maybe two weeks ago now, about the attachment to miracles. I propose to you that we have an attachment to encouragement. We taste it almost as if it's a drug. We, we tap into it. We strengthen ourselves. But in the Lord, encouragement and strength comes that we may pursue purpose. Not for an emotional high. When we do that, we negate the power of God's progression in our lives. Let's read a scripture here in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm going to read a few verses today. This is a bit historical, so bear with me. I'm not going to talk more than I need to, I promise. But I am going to read a couple of things, and just let's stay together. Give you a little backstory. David received a call of God from the prophet Samuel to be king. Now, you know he went through a wilderness season where he's running away, he's hiding, Saul is after him. You know, he was a Philistine killer. I mean, they sang songs about it. Two years prior to what I'm about to read, he had just gone over there and acted like a crazy man because Saul was chasing him. Isn't it something when you have the call of the Lord in your life, but you go through the wilderness season? Isn't it crazy how at times we're doing what is right, we're doing what is righteous, but things feel like they're going wrong? First Samuel, here's what it says. Okay, 
the Philistines, we're going to fast forward. David is now living among the Philistines, his sworn enemies, the enemies of God's people. But isn't God faithful that he makes a way and he protects you. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He was actually held in high esteem. One of the kings of the Philistines had given him a province for him to, to rule over. And so David wanted to do what was righteous. The Philistines were going to war. And David and his 600 men felt that they needed to be a part of this. So it says here, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. It's okay to cry. It's okay to weep. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Sometimes when things get tough, the people that set up with you are ready to take you down. Has anybody ever been in that position? Mm. But David, <laughs> strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Amalek's son, please bring me the ephod here to me. And Abathar bought it, bought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. I've come with a message today. God says it's time to recover all. The reason that this city was in that position was that David, trying to do what was righteous, desiring to honor God and to honor his, the Philistines that had been gracious to him, he went with his men to join them in battle. But when he got there, the Philistines were like, the generals were like, wait a minute, isn't this the guy that we, they used to sing about? That he used to kill us? Send them back. Send them back to where he came from, lest he turn against us in battle. But David's heart was righteous. That's not, that, that wasn't his intention. Now he gets back and his, the, the city that was given to him is burned. But he encourages himself in the Lord. And what does the Lord do? Tells him, go, for you shall recover it all. You know, the problem doesn't lie in coming for the encouragement. The problem lies when we come for the encouragement, but we stay there. And we don't take the next step in the progression, which is the attaining, which is, which is the pressing in. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joshua 1.9. Let's go there. In Joshua 1.9, you know, it, it, it discusses how Joshua was encouraged by the Lord to pursue purpose, which was to possess the promised land. After 40 years in the wilderness, it was time. It was time. But the Lord came with strength. The Lord told Joshua, he command one sec, you know what, l l let me read this for you. Let's get it. Hallelujah. Amen. This is what God told Joshua. Have I not commanded you, 
Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua's response to this command of the Lord is this. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You know, saints, I really believe that it is in the place of, how can I say this? I want to get this out right. Lord, give me grace. The Hebrews had just spent 40 years in the wilderness. They had awesome provision from the Lord, supernatural, manna from heaven. The cloud by day, the, the pillar of fire by night, their clothes grew with them. Right? But when it came time to possess the land, the Lord took the manna off the table. Amen? And he told, and now it's time the Lord places it in Joshua's hands, in the people's hands. Because we have to go from the supernatural element of God's provision into the practical application of possessing. Does that make sense? All right, so there is a supernatural element to the encouragement and provision of the Lord. However, when it comes time to possess, there is an element of personal responsibility where the manna is taken off the table. The comfort that has caused us to rely on formula is removed. And now we've been invited to live out the words of Christ. Don't fear the manna being taken off the table. The Lord is interested in building a history. The things that we go through in lives, the circumstances that we encounter, it's the, it's the Lord's way of building a history. That we can go in, in moments of conflict, in moments of tension, in moments of new trials, because they're going to come. And that's how we are able to encourage ourselves in the Lord and attain favor to possess the land. There is a violence to this possession. Amen? The word of God says in Matthew eleven twelve, for the days from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's another version that would say the courageous take it by force. Hallelujah. But this violence is not just, you know, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> but the word violent here in the biblical language is speaking to the people who are enthusiastically committed to responding to God's message. Eager, fervent, zealous, passionate, vehement, fervid. And fervid breaks down into burning hot or glowing. Haven't we been called to be filled with the spirit of God? Yeah. Burning hot. The light of the world glowing and impassioned. These are the attributes that we need in order to possess. These are the attributes that we need in order not to waste the encouragement of the Lord. If we're honest with ourselves, how many times have we wasted the encouragement of the Lord? The Lord gives us encouragement to go from here to here. Isn't that something? What does the Bible say? Yea, though I walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What is the progression? We're going from walking through the valley of death to lying down in green pastures. But there's a place, there's a warring place in between the valley of death to the green pastures. And sometimes we pull out a cot and we stay in the valley of the shadow of death looking for encouragement. We deify the attribute of God. We make a God out of one of his attributes. It's in the scripture. We're, we're going to see some things today. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Bible says in James 1, chapter 1, verse 22 and 24, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, 
deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. What if I told you that you were meant to overcome? What if I told you today that you are the head and not the tail? These are more than pleasantries. These are more than motivational uh, scriptures that we read. These are, these are truths to be lived out. These are truths to be attained. A high price was paid for us to come in to that dominion. Amen? So it's not just hearing the encouragement. It's actually using the encouragement as fuel to propel yourself into purpose. That's the Lord's desire. And let me tell you, not that I have already attained, like Paul said, right? But we leave those things in the past or in the past. But I've been there. I may have been there last week, to tell you the truth. There's sometimes that we're going through some things and we're desperate. We're desperate for a word of encouragement. God has already given us the word, but we've forgotten what we look like. Because we heard it, but we didn't apply it. I've been there where I am stressed out and, and I have my, my network of prophetic voices and, and prayer warriors that I know for years. And they're not answering the phone. I mean, uh, yeah, 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 we're going to get together and pray, but it's not happening. Can it be that the Lord is trying to teach me it's time to possess with the encouragement I've already given you? We become offended with God when he has already given us the word of encouragement to go. The lack is never on his end. The lack of efficiency is never on his end. He said, go, go. Hallelujah. What are we preparing for? What provisions are we storing up in order to step into the new season? To truly use the encouragement wisely. You know, Joshua here went from having the supernatural bread of heaven to now make provisions. We have to, make a, a, we have to be a ground of preparation in order for the things of the Lord to be made manifest in our lives. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 32. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 8. Now, this story is very interesting. It's a very historical moment. You can find it in the history books, and it's almost like a gospel because it's in three different places. You have it in Chronicle, you have it in 1 Kings, you have it in uh, Isaiah, and each one has a, an interesting take on the situation. In here, we have King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a righteous man, but... The Assyrians in that time had become a military power, historically. They were doing amazing things. They had battering rams. They were breaking down walls of the city. And the way that they feel, the, the, their, their motivation in their military conquest was that they felt that they were being led by gods. And so there was a spiritual element to the way that they progressed in their kingdom. And let me tell you, they were having victory. And they had dominion over Israel, and they had dominion over uh, Judah as well. Now, the kings of Israel and Judah were corrupt, but here the Lord lifts up a righteous man in Hezekiah. And Hezekiah quickly begins to dismantle the altars, the pagan altars. He begins to dismantle the false idol worship. And so look what happens here in, in uh, chapter 32. He says, after the deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib, that's what a name, had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with the leaders 
and commanders to stop the water from the springs, which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the king of Assyria come in and find so much water? And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside. Also he repaired the, the Milo in the city and of David and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he sent military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hmm. So we see here that Hezekiah did what he was supposed to do. However... He actually made a mistake because in his heart, somewhere along the lines, from being practical and efficient with what God had placed in his hand, he put his confidence in the wall. Hezekiah had made a strategic military move. He said, we're not going to be pushed around anymore by the Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians are going around beating everybody up. King Sargon, who was Sennacherib's father, was killed in battle. That was a blow to their mystique. The Assyrians, that was their mystique. Their kings don't die in battle. They live forever. We are more than conquerors. And so now here comes King Sennacherib, and he's like, I'm going to stomp out these rebellions. And now I'm going to have to go to Judah and make an example because they're fortifying, they're making alliances, and they want to come against me. And so what happens? Hezekiah encourages the people. So they, they come out with the declaration of faith. All right? But now here's what happens. The king sends one of his princes, I believe his name was, interesting name, it was like the, the Rabshakeh. It's a bad day when somebody named the Rabshakeh shows up at your walls and begins to threaten you, isn't it? <laughs> and so behind these fortified cities, here comes the prince, and the prince begins to tell him, listen, do you think that you're going to be able to defeat the king of Assyria, our armies that number in the hundreds of thousands? Come now, surrender to us, and I will give you grain. I will take you to a land where there is abundance. You know, your adversary will come and try to cut a deal with you. Amen? The, enemy will, the adversary will come and stand at the gates of your life and speak a language that you can understand. In these times, the diplomatic language was Aramaic. But this guy spoke to them in Hebrew, said that everybody that was in the kingdom, all the soldiers that were in the wall would be intimidated by this. And so now what happens? Although King Hezekiah was structured and practical in his preparation for military conquest, the enemy came and sought to undermine them with threats, mockery, and by undermining their faith. Saints, the adversary will come with everything he has to rob you of your encouragement, to rob you of your purpose. He began to tell Hezekiah, oh, you tore down all the altars. Perhaps you tore down some of the altars of your true God. He begins to tell him, you think you're going to be able to stand against us? He begins to list all the conquests of the Assyrians. They, I'm, I'm telling you, they were devastating everybody. So now the enemy begins to list their history. In this, King Hezekiah feels frightened. 
he makes the same mistake his grandfather had made. He takes the gold and silver from the temple and says, forgive me for, for, for daring to rise against you. Take this. He takes the gold off the pillars. Saints, the adversary wants you to give up your treasure. The things that God has given you. The holy things. But it wasn't enough. That didn't appease. Don't ever try to appease your enemy. It doesn't work. He got 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold, and all the gold that was in the king's house. That wasn't enough. The Assyrians still kept coming. So in this, 2 Kings verse 18, chapter 18 from 14 to 16, it says, Then Hezekiah sent to the king of Assyria at Lachesh, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria addressed Hezekiah, king of Judah. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple, the Lord, and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Saints, the enemy wants the place of strength in your life. He desires to turn your encouragement into weakness. It's in those valley of death moments that the Lord empowers us to walk. It's in those power, it, it's in those moments, those valley of death moments that the Lord empowers us to walk. But if we make the mistake of staying there, we forfeit the breakthrough God has for us. What do you do when you've been doing things right? And you made a declaration of faith and you encouraged yourself in the Lord. But now your adversary comes, a situation arises in your life that's just too much for you to bear. You encourage yourself in the Lord again, but this time you pursue purpose. Amen? You pursue purpose. That is the place of decision, a place where we tap into past victories, remember his faithfulness, and with his encouragement, we pursue purpose. Scripture says that God takes us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. We have to get to the two strength. Amen. God gives us strength, but we're not supposed to stay there. We're supposed to go to glory, to strength. Amen. There's more in the Lord. Do not be dismayed. Don't make a God out of God's attributes. We risk intellectually putting God in the box. The encouragement and strength of the Lord always comes to propel us into purpose. If we depend on the sensation of encouragement but only remain there, then we don't attain the promise. We fill our hearts with hope. But the scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. If we are constantly in a perpetual state of hoping and hoping and hoping, but we don't move, we don't progress, we get sick. And almost always what happens is that we alienate ourselves from God. We become offended with God because we say, well, Lord, you're the Lord of the breakthrough. Where is it? Anytime that God encourages you, it's meant to give you purpose. When Elijah, when Elijah was running away from Queen Jezebel after he had an awesome victory against the prophets of Baal, he was hiding in the cave. He was dejected. He wanted to die. He didn't want to go forward. The Lord came and encouraged him and gave him purpose. Told him, there's 7,000 that haven't laid their knees before the idols. Go and anoint Elijah. Go and anoint Hazael. Go and anoint Jehu. There's purpose for you. Saints, if you've been feeling like you've been being held back, that you've been seeking the Lord, that you've been trying to press in, I propose to you, begin to take steps. 
It is in the practical, when the practical meets the spiritual, it gives birth to the supernatural. Okay? To end this quickly, this is what Hezekiah did. He heard what the king said. He came into the presence of the Lord. He went to the prophet Isaiah. And you know what happened? Isaiah said, not an arrow is going to be shot in this city. Not an arrow is going to be shot in this city. There's going to be no war. And an angel of the Lord came down and slayed 185,000 of them. And it was that the same people that came to persecute Hezekiah had to come now and beg for mercy. Saints, use the encouragement of the Lord to step into your purpose. He will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Don't stay in the pursuit of encouragement. You know, the Hebrews had a mixture of worship. You know, one of the things they were doing is that they were worshiping the image of the serpent, which was the miracle in the wilderness where God told Moses, put the serpent on the staff, and they looked at it, and everybody was healed. They made a God out of that moment. Don't make idols out of God's attributes because there's more. And you will be looking to where God was instead of where he's calling you to be now. I said what I had to say. God bless you.